In these winter months, consider TripInsurance.com to cover your next cruise investment. Buy direct from the leading insurers and save up to 40% or more on comparable plans from the other sites. Get a quote today and save from TripInsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thanks for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Going to do a little throwback today. Kaylin had the opportunity to sail, one of the very last guests actually, to sail on Royal Caribbean's Empress of the Seas before they sold it. She joins us later on in the show. And as always, Sherry Laskin is here with Cruise News. Hello, Sherry. Hi, Doug. So another round of cancellations for Carnival Cruise Line. Yeah, they just announced they have canceled their June departures. And they also may decide, despite what they inferred last week, they might try to find some new home ports from which to sail this summer. Competition is heating up. Yeah, bold move. It seems like, you know, they didn't want to have to do that because they said they're America's cruise line. Uh, Christine (laughs) Duffy, the president of Carnival. But yeah, you got to make money somehow. I was just going to say the same thing. Phase two guidance was released from the CDC last Friday. What are some of the details? Okay, so some of the details of CDC's phase two are basically what they've called technical instructions. And these instructions outline what cruise lines need to do to restart cruising as it relates to areas like embarkation, disembarkation, and it even stretches to agreements with local ports and their health organizations. Also included are more detailed guidelines as to what must follow if there is an outbreak aboard ships that depart from the U.S. And in these new set of instructions, CDC has classified cruise ships as residential congregate settings. And if something should happen, they will also have a 14-day quarantine period. The home port's local hospitals and healthcare facilities need to be included so that if something happens, the cruise line and the ship have arrangements where they can put people if there is an outbreak so they can be quarantined. And this includes the ports where the ships depart need a written agreement. And this is kind of tricky what the port needs to do in case a particular ship needs to reposition. But what it did not include is the requirement of a COVID-19 vaccine for passengers and is going to leave that decision up to the cruise lines. However, the CDC did encourage all passengers and port workers to be fully vaccinated. On the subject of masks, they must be worn by everyone, vaccinated or not, when people on board the ship are in enclosed public spaces. And this will not apply logically when you're eating or drinking in restaurants and lounges. In the cruise port terminal, everyone must also wear a mask. And here's a a logistical issue that they're faced with. The CDC has said within a 12-hour period, passengers will not be able to occupy the same enclosed or semi-enclosed areas. And this includes gangways, terminal waiting areas, the places where you check in. So you can't have people coming and going within 12 hours of each other if they're going to go through the same areas. So the 12-hour thing throws me off because the CDC has come out and said, you know, it doesn't live on surfaces. And then the airports are using the same jetway at the same gate, like what, 12 to 15 times a day embarking and disembarking. So it's just kind of, yeah, you're kind of having a lot more people use that same jetway, but the whole thing doesn't make sense to me, you know? Yeah, yeah, I don't know how they're interpreting this unless, 
you know, I just don't know. I mean, 6,000 people, which would be 12,000 coming and going is different than what you have at the airport in a jetway. But I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, but it only takes one, right? Whether it be on an airplane or a cruise ship. That's very true. So NCL has finally stepped up to the CDC while revealing some new information. Yeah, so following this release of phase two, Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings went and sent a letter to the CDC to request that their ships be allowed to cruise from U.S. ports come July. The parent company of Norwegian Cruise Line, Oceana Cruises, and Regent Seven Seas Cruises decided that vaccinations would be required for all passengers and crew, and by doing so, they feel that they would exceed the requirements of the CDC. Everyone on board would have completed their vaccinations, Plus, they propose to have a temporary guest capacity reduction down to 60%, and then every 30 days gradually increase that. So by doing that, they feel they should be allowed to cruise this summer. Whether or not all three cruise brands can arrange this phase two requirements with all that we just mentioned for summer, that remains to be seen. It's a lot, lot of moving parts and pieces to get in place. And then Norwegian just released that they are now contemplating moving to offshore ports to restart cruising this summer, again, like Royal Caribbean and Celebrity, just to get going and get some revenue generated. Yeah, they're sending a couple of ships down to, what is it, the DR in Jamaica, I believe, and one over in Europe, over in Greece. So they're going to get sailing, CDC, liking it or not. Yep. And Royal Caribbean has taken delivery of its newest ship. That's right. Odyssey of the Seas, the 25th ship in Royal Caribbean's existing fleet, joined its new family during the handover ceremony from shipyard to cruise line. The traditional event took place on Royal Caribbean's Facebook page. During the virtual ceremony, the ship's blessing was held at the seafarer's house in Port Everglades. And from Singapore, there was an onboard performance on Quantum of the Seas, and shipyard officials in Germany and cruise line executives in Florida completed the virtual handoff of Odyssey. The ship will move to home port at Haifa, Israel, for a series of Greek islands cruises available only to fully vaccinated Israeli citizens. Yep, and then after it's Israel season, it'll be heading over to Florida. Well, at least that's the plan. So we've been talking about this for a long time. It seems like years, Sherry, and it looks like Venice is finally starting to take some action. Yeah, so residents of Venice finally made their voices heard and officially banned cruise ships from sailing in the Venice Lagoon past Piazza San Marco. Venetians have been very vocal over the last few years as more and more of those mega ships sailed past the iconic Piazza. And as the ship sailed past, the wake would disturb the lagoon seabed as well as displace the seawater. And Venice has been plagued with flooding for centuries, but of course, it's only gotten worse over time. And as a solution, and possibly only temporary, cruise ships will be rerouted to the industrial port of Marghera on the Italian mainland. Venice authorities admit that this isn't a perfect solution either for both the environment and the port itself as well as for tourists getting a kind of poor impression when they step off the ship. But for now, until a new dock can be built, that's just the way it'll be for ships that weigh over 40,000 gross tons. So no more sailing past the Piazza San Marco and everything that that represents. A new residential cruise ship gets one step closer to reality. Yeah, I had a laugh at this one. So a company by the name of Storylines 
has confirmed an agreement with Brotosplit, that's a Croatian shipyard, to build what they're naming the MV Narrative, which I guess goes along with storylines, and coming in at 741 feet long and weighing about 55,000 gross tons, they won't be able to go into Venice. <laughs> the first steel is expected to be cut in 2022. The goal is for the ship to slowly travel the world in three and a half years. And the plan is to have owners prepay their 12 to 60 year lease. The ship will have 627 residents. And if you can believe it, some are already under deposit. Storylines is selling their fully furnished residences. <laughs> a 237 square foot accommodation is going for about $300,000. And for a cool $8 million, you can buy their largest 2,400 square foot duplex penthouse. And on top of that, there will be homeowner's fees. And these begin at about $2,300 per person per month. But on the flip side, it will include all of your meals, most alcohol, not the top shelf. It'll include Wi-Fi, gratuities, laundry, and even visits to an onboard physician. Fitness classes and a gym will be included. And the ship also has plans to add hydroponic gardens, a marina, and a microbrewery. So have you paid your deposit yet? <laughs> wow. So really, people are already buying these and not even built yet. So <laughs> It's amazing. Yeah. It's, well, it's, I mean, hey, if you got it, spend it. You can't take it with yeah. you. They're going to allow people to rent it out when they're not in their unit. All right. So I'm a little skeptical here, but maybe once we see the, the steel get laid, I'll be a believer. Well, we've heard this story before with yeah. these residence ships. Exactly. So we'll so. see. Mm -hmm. Listener question from William Jackson this week. I just booked an eight-day Southern Caribbean cruise on Carnival Magic going to Aruba, Bonaire, and Grand Turk. Was wondering what excursions would be the best that you would recommend? Well, William, thanks for your note, and um, I'm glad you're getting to go on a cruise. Let's keep our fingers crossed. When you go to Grand Turk, keep in mind it's a really small island, but you do have a lot of options. You can rent a golf cart and drive around the island, but be careful because cars drive on the left, like in the UK. So if you're not used to it, it may take a little practice. And there's a lot of salt flats there that you can drive out to see, too. Um, they have wild donkeys roaming around, and there's a lighthouse but right at the cruise center, they have a John Glenn exhibit, and there's a memorial statue, a replica of the Friendship 7 space capsule. And if people don't know who John Glenn is, he was the first American that orbited the Earth back in 1962. And no comments, Doug, please. <laughs> and heading over to Aruba, William, there's a lot of snorkeling, and you can actually snorkel around a shipwreck. And Doug, I think you mentioned, you did this once, um, you can go to a private island called De Palm Island. It's only about a 10-minute ride from the port. Mm -hmm. So that's a pretty thing to do. Uh, again, here, just like in Grand Turk, you can rent a car right at the port. As soon as you step off the ships, there are rent-a-car kiosks set up and drive around the island. And aside from driving over to Eagle Beach, there's a place called Baby Beach that I've been to. It's, it's known for some rough currents. I mean, really rough currents. So you know, grab a lunch in town, drive out and relax at the beach, especially, um, you know, if it's just a really breezy, nice day. And then speaking of lunch, there's an Italian restaurant <laughs> next to the historic lighthouse. It's a little bit of a drive. It's all the way at the end of the island, but the restaurant is called Faro Blanco. And if you think you'd like to take a break in the afternoon and have a full lunch, 
I do advise making reservations ahead of time. But if you don't feel like eating, take a drive out to the lighthouse anyway. The view is spectacular. And then last but not least, going to Bonaire. It's a beautiful island. Again, it's small. And if you don't feel like scuba diving, you can take an excursion over to the salt pyramids. They're pretty unique looking. Go flamingo spotting. They're all over the island, bright pink. Um, and they tend to hang out near the salt flats. Of course, shopping and dining downtown is always available. But, you know, same that you would do in some unfamiliar ports. Maybe just buy a shore excursion for a half day and get a feel for what the island looks like. And then take some time to go out on your own. But it's a great itinerary. Yeah, I was just going to say that. What an amazing itinerary. I love those Southern Caribbean ones. Yeah, I do too. Aruba's lovely. Mm-hmm. All, they're all, I mean, it's nice too because they almost always have great weather in the ABCs. Yeah. So. Right close to uh, Venezuela too. Yeah. Right out, you can actually see their, their refineries yeah. off their coast there when you're sailing away from Aruba sometimes. You know, I, I don't remember seeing that, but yeah, they're there. I was going to say, sure. just because you didn't see it doesn't mean it's not there. I know. <laughs> been talking with Sherry that. Laskin from CruiseMaven.com. Thank you, Sherry. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Doug. Bye-bye. You're listening to Cruise Radio, the trusted voice of the cruise industry. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker from my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Top industry stories from around the world and how they'll impact your next vacation every weekday morning on Cruise Radio News. Here's an interview that's going to be in uncharted waters for me. It's a ship that is no longer with the organization. We're talking about Royal Caribbean's Empress of the Seas. But Caitlin, uh, she was on the very last sailing. So as things started bubbling to the top, she was on the ship. She's here to talk about it. And uh, kind of a little throwback, we'll call it, because it is Thursday. A little throwback Thursday for Empress of the Seas. Kay Akers is on the line. Hey, Kay. Glad to be with you again. Now, you live over in California, so you made the flight from California to Miami to board Empress of the Seas for an eight-night Caribbean sailing. Now, this was in March, like the second week of March, when things were just starting to heat up a little bit on the corona front. So um, did you have any hesitations or thoughts about taking this cruise? Yes, <laughs> because, you know, we were hearing about ships starting to have problems at ports where they are being denied stopping and, you know, having to float around, have more sea days than anticipated. And so we didn't know what was happening, but uh, we were game to go as long as the cruise was on. And at that point that I left my house, I didn't have the option to, you know, cancel without any penalty. While I was traveling, that email came in that you could cancel for free for sailings that were happening 
48 hours or longer. But unfortunately, mine, you know, I was less than that by the time I got the email. So we decided to move forward. And also, we also had gotten emails about, I don't know, a week to 10 days before the sailing telling us that we were going to have to have our temperature checked, you know, and things like that. So I'm starting to get worried, but everything was a go. So we just decided to go ahead and have fun. You mentioned temperature checks. Aside from that, was there anything different about embarkation? Not really. They stopped you as you went into the building before you could go up to where you actually check in with the agents for that temperature check and asked if we were ill or or anything like that. But that was pretty much the only change other than I noticed, of course, on board, there were the usual um, sanitary precautions in place, but that we're probably used to that happening whenever there's a noro outbreak Mm -hmm. or something on a ship. So um, I didn't notice anything too different in that respect. Empress of the Seas was an older ship. It was, uh, I think, launched in 1990, so 30 years old by the time you were sailing on it, or really close to 30 years old. What were your first impressions walking on board the ship, and was this your first time on Empress? Yeah, it was, and I actually wouldn't have picked the ship because I, I don't like the radius class of ships with Royal Caribbean. I like their, you know, freedom and above class. But my sisters had picked that already, so I'm like, I want to be with them and be with family, so let's, you know, go ahead and book this cruise. When you first walk on board, I was really impressed because it has that elegant look to it and feel that, you know, older ships have, and it's really quite spacious. Yeah, the only thing I really have to compare that with would be like Royal Caribbean's Majesty of the Seas or Sovereign of the Seas. Yeah, and it, it might be more like those yeah, the I mean, sovereign, I think. Yeah, not really the same class, but yeah, kind of the same. That's how I pictured my mind, at least. So you make your way to your stateroom. What kind of stateroom did you have on this eight-night cruise? Well, I had an inside cabin, and it was literally the smallest cabin I've ever had in, <laughs> in any cruise. But it was very well organized. The only complaint I would have about it was that the closet was so narrow that, you know, I at one point had my shoes went to the very far back of the closet. I was trying to retrieve them. It was like I couldn't get in there because I I was wider than the closet door and I couldn't get through Uh, there. Wow. Where was this stateroom located? Towards the front of the ship down right below the showroom. So I did hear them practicing Mm -hmm. and their shows at night if I wasn't actually at the show. Let's talk about the food on Empress. How was the food? And it's a smaller ship, so I don't picture there being a ton of specialty restaurants. You know what? I don't know if there's more than one. We ate at Chop's Grill, the steakhouse, one night. There might have been a Giovanni's, but I'm not sure. But uh, And that's it in terms of specialties. The food was really good. I love their buffet, and I'm not normally a buffet person. So I thought their food was really good in there and the dining room. And we had wonderful service the whole time on the ship from, from all the, the dining rooms as well as elsewhere on the ship. You mentioned you went to the buffet. Were you able to serve yourself or were there precautions there as well? I do know that they were very strict at making sure that you, they had, one thing I really liked is as you walk into the buffet, they had, I think, three sinks right there where you could actually wash your hands with soap and water right there before you went in. So they were making sure everyone washed their hands with soap and water or had, you know, them put the sanitizing gel on it, Mm -hmm. at least. And a lot of us did both. So in that respect, it was very clean. I do know that you could not serve yourself ice cream cones, that they were doing that for you. Well, let's talk about the actual, the public areas of the ship. And as far as the crowds and congestion for the size of the ship, 
that Empress of the Seas is or was. How was the passenger flow? It was really good. That's what I meant when I said it was spacious. I feel like they had really wide open spaces. And even like when you get outside the elevator, a wide open space felt very light and airy and uncrowded. So I I never experienced any problem. Yes, maybe the pool was a little crowded on the afternoon of a sea day, but um, nothing overly so. It wasn't like we couldn't find a chair anywhere. So I thought it flowed very well. And in fact, I'm sad that it left the fleet because this little ship is one I would take again. By the end of the cruise, I I love this little ship. Yeah, little ships like Empress and even like the Carnival Fantasy class ships or the like Norwegian Sky and Sun, they have a, a real charm to them. Do you spend a lot of time on the pool deck when you're on a cruise? I do. Yeah, definitely. On sea days, you are going to find me there. My sisters like the casino. My husband and I like the pool. Gotcha. Are you a gambler on board? Nah, not really. Unless I'm keeping them company and I just have a few bucks to put in there. So that's why I don't get the free cruise offers. And sometimes I sneak along with my sisters to go on their free cruises. (laughs) See, that's the thing, right? Like I just got back from Vegas and I was there for five days. I did not drop one penny in the slot machines. And I have nothing against them, but I'm just, you know, just not my thing. I'm not going to be getting any comps for hotels or cruises or anything like that, but it sure is fun to watch. (laughs) How about the shows on board and the entertainment overall? Like the smaller cruise ships, it was more traditional entertainment where you have a couple of song and dance shows, comedian a night, you know, that type of thing, maybe a movie one night. It was that, you know, kind of almost uh, traditional entertainment in that sense. But where I thought they did really well is the entertainment staff had games all the time. They had karaoke. And even though I don't participate, I loved watching the karaoke, sing along. So I think there was a lot of options if you, you know, are bored by the traditional singer in the showroom. With this being an eight night cruise, you had a lot of ports of call. So what were they? We had five ports. We had Key West, Roatan, Costa Maya, Belize, and Cozumel. On these five ports, were there any precautions when you went to each one of these ports from the locals or like did they make you do anything like temperature checks or screenings before you got on or off the ship? No, not on any of them. Now, for Belize, I have to say I just decided to make it a sea day for me. To me, Belize doesn't have a lot that I want to go see. And you have that really long tender ride. So I just Mm -hmm. decided to stay on board that day and make it another pool day. But the other four ports, we didn't have anything like that. How was Cozumel and what did you do there? We went to Nachi Kokum. So I've been there many, many times. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a good mix because my husband and I like the beach. I have a sister that really loves the pool. So we both get what we want while having unlimited margaritas. <laughs> yes, yes. So you're towards the end of the cruise. So like, let's just say like day six or seven of this cruise. The headlines are starting to pop in the news. What are the ramblings on board? People were very worried. And I, you would hear chit chat about what was going on. And it was uh, our last port day at Cozumel. Right before we pulled away, the captain came on and announced that Royal Caribbean was suspending sailings. And when we got back on Sunday morning, which was March 15th, the Empress would not be leaving again. So there were other passengers on the ship that were doing back to back and had planned to do so that way they end up with a 14 day because the next Mm -hmm. selling was supposed to be a six day. You know, their plans just went out the window. So they had to scramble for how to get home and things like that. So that night and the all next day, that was the talk of the ship. And 
no one knew what was going on. You know, at that point, it was going to be a 30-day pause. I kind of think it's funny that some cruise lines might still call it a pause and it's over a year later. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, you know, everyone was a little worried about that. And it definitely did change the mood on the ship. Yeah, I could imagine. It's just, it's, I still can't wrap my brain around it. Like you were basically the last, one of the last people on board Empress before, you know, we all thought it'd be shut down for 30 days. And then here we are a, a year later and still, I mean... You know, yeah. And the disembarkation was a little weird because you know how normally the room stewards are really wanting you out of there mm-hmm. so they can turn over the room for the next person. Well, what they were doing instead was they were just, uh, they were still stripping the room of the, you know, the linens mm-hmm. and things, but they were turning the mattresses on their side so they would air out, I guess, in between. Yeah. So they were just preparing them to be empty. And so that was a little strange as well. Looking forward from this point, we were talking before the interview and you said you just got your first vaccine. What are your thoughts on sailing again once everything opens back up? I'm ready. I have about five cruises booked for the future. Mm-hmm. Only one for this year. I, we are booked to go in the fall on Liberty of the Seas from Galveston. So I'm hoping that happens at the end of October. Next year, I have a cruise on Holland America's new ship that'll be coming out, the Rotterdam mm-hmm. from Fort Lauderdale, and then several more cruises after that. So I am ready to go. Didn't get to spend my travel budget in the last year plus. So I'm ready to go and, and see the world. Have you thought about going over to Nassau, Bermuda, or St. Martin to do one of those Royal Caribbean or Celebrity Cruises? Not really. Well, first of all, I would like to see how that experience works out for people. I know just disembarking out of just San Juan, which is a usual port for cruises. I've had problems with all the traffic there and things like that. And I I don't know how it would go. So I think I would want to wait and see how it goes for other people and what their experience is before I would do that. Yeah, I've considered booking one on Adventure of the Seas over in Nassau just to check it out and see what it's like. I was going to do any of them. It would be that one. Very good. Well, I appreciate you coming on here and talking about your experience on Empress of the Seas, even though she is no longer with us. Still cool to hear about the ship. And like you said, maybe she will come back one day. You never know. She came back once. She might come back again. Stranger things have happened. We've been talking with Kay Lynn about her eight-night cruise on Empress of the Seas. Kay, as always, it's great talking to you. Stay safe and uh, thanks again. Thank you, Doug. All right, Dougie, let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.